When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. Vegas having a tough goal lately. Robin Leonard injured. Laurent Brassois is the goaltender tonight. If the Penguins win, Vegas remains just two points ahead of the Oilers for third in the Pacific Division. You're in that top three. It's an automatic playoff berth. You don't have to worry about the wild card. And also after tonight, regardless of how Vegas does, the Oilers are going to have two games in hand on the Golden Knights. So if you're cheering for the Oilers, you want the Penguins to win in regulation time and Edmonton two back of Vegas with two games in hand. The Oilers play tomorrow against the Tampa Bay Lightning. 6.30 face-off show for Furnace Family Oilers Hockey. The game will start at 8, and of course, we'll have plenty to chat about here with the Oilers in a couple of minutes. Also early in the second period, the Wild and the Blue Jackets are tied 1-1. Late in the first, the Jets and the Islanders are tied 1-1. Kyle Connor scores again for the Jets. He's up to 36 on the season. Brock Nelson has the goal for the Islanders, came on the power play, his 23rd. Later on tonight, Washington at Vancouver. Okay, so, oh, and at the Briar tonight, good matchup coming up. Edmonton's Brendan Botcher against Brad Gushu. Botcher 7-1, Gushu at 8-0. That one's going to start in about half an hour, so we'll keep you updated there too. All right, so here's what uh, here's what we're looking at for the Oilers. Colton Sevier and Stuart Skinner have been assigned back to the Bakersfield Condors. Now, Miko Koskinen will start tomorrow. That's what head coach Jay Woodcroft said today. So that means Mike Smith, who practiced today, Skinner was also on the ice. So that means Mike Smith is going to be the backup. So he's uh, he's fine. Remember, he played last weekend and uh, then missed the last couple of games, had a bit of a stomach uh, issue and perhaps some other issues to deal with as well. So he's going to be the backup. So with Colton Sevier going down, as we talked about last night, I would expect Josh Archibald to make his season debut. We have not seen Archibald since game three of the uh, loss to the Winnipeg Jets in the playoffs. And remember in that game, it was a uh, penalty Archibald committed that helped spark that Winnipeg comeback. And then Archibald was suspended for game four. So I would expect him to play tomorrow the way the Oilers lined up today. I would expect the same lines up front, except Archibald in for Sevier with uh, Malone and Cassian. That's how they skated today. On the back end, we'll have to see how it goes. Tyson Berry practice today. I imagine we'll get more information on him tomorrow. So just some lineup notes there for the Edmonton Oilers and a very likely return uh, by Josh Archibald. Craig McTavish is coming up between 6.30 and 7 tonight. Always great to have him on the show. And I'm always happy to hear from you if you want to talk about the Oilers, anything else, or you just want to chat. 780-496-0063. 780-496-0063. The hotline is presented by Certainty, the pro's choice for roofing, siding, drywall, insulation, and ceiling systems. Certainty Pro all the way. You can follow me on Twitter at Reed Wilkins, R-E-I-D-W-I-L-K-I-N-S, and you can email InsideSports at 630Ched.com. I have received a couple of quite amusing uh, emails this week, I will say. All right, also, so Zach Cassian came back in the lineup. Remember, he was hurt February 9th against Chicago. He uh, took that puck to the face, and he reflects here on what exactly happened. 
A point shot got deflected, hit me in the cheek, and broke a few bones in my cheek and uh, orbital area. So it wasn't the jaw. I don't know uh, where the jaw came from. It was uh, cheek, orbital bone, uh, a couple spots. Um, wasn't bleeding, so I thought it was all right. Um, then it puffed up, swelled up too much, couldn't play, and then obviously got uh, some pictures done and it showed a few breaks. All right, so there it is for Cassian, specifying it was not the jaw, cheek, orbital bone, and he missed four weeks. He was out from the 9th to the 9th, from February 9th to March 9th, missed 13 games. Now, when this injury was first clarified by the Oilers, it was four to eight weeks, so he really only missed four. So kind of a best-case scenario there in terms of how much time he missed, and Cassian was asked, how were you able to come back so quick? I could have had surgery uh, done on it, uh, which would have maybe prolonged me coming back a little longer, but um, they left it up to me. It was a cosmetic thing. I I told them I uh, had a face for radio as it was. I wasn't getting any prettier, so uh, it was just a matter of less than a centimeter. My cheek would have, uh, or has, sunken in a little bit, so you notice a little bit when I smile, but uh, we opted not to do the surgery. You know, when Cassian uh, left the podium today after doing that media availability, I had to remind him that there are some pretty good-looking people in radio. All right, just so- something to keep in mind next time you hear somebody say face for radio. <laughs> so there's uh, there's the explanation of, of uh, Cassian able to come back after just four weeks. Uh, now, though, and uh, probably for the next week or two, he is wearing that full shield. Yeah, yeah, it feels different for sure. It's like I said, yeah, you go from not wearing anything to wearing something. It's a little different, but I found the bubbles a little better than the, the cage with all the wiring, and you see them with your eyes. Uh, your eyes can relax a little bit better with the fishbowl. All right, and Cassian picked up an assist on Brad Malone's goal the other night. I thought he played pretty well considering how much time he had missed. Um, you know, it's it's still a big if, and it's still probably at least at least four more games for Nugent Hopkins and Pugliarvi. And I'm going to speculate it's probably going to be at least six more, especially for Nugent Hopkins. I mean, Woodcroft said earlier this week it's week to week for Nuge. So to me, that ruled out the five-game homestand. And then you have back-to-backs, Colorado and Dallas on the 21st and 22nd. But if you get those guys back, I, I don't think the Oilers. I think the Oilers' top nine is is pretty good, and then you might have a fourth line of, but uh, who knows who winds up there? Could would it be even Fogel, Ryan, and Cassian, perhaps together? Nugent Hopkins goes back into center. Uh, I mean, under that scenario, probably Shorn Malone or the guys who are scratched. He becomes the thirteenth or fourteenth forwards. I guess Benson is still hanging around as well. If this team can ever be mostly healthy. I'd like to see how they look up front because as I've said several times, even though there have been frustrating nights offensively, they've been shut out a couple of times. You know, I know they couldn't generate as much as they liked against the Calgary Flames. This this team isn't bad offensively. I think the power play is is going to be fine. They, they had that bad five-game stretch where they went two for 21, one for four against the Capitals and looked dangerous. They can score enough. They can score enough to win games and and be a threat to opposing teams. Put a put some pressure on and forecheck and get some chances like they did against the Capitals. It just continues to be preventing goals. I think that's ultimately what could stop the Oilers from from being a really dangerous team or maybe even getting into the playoffs. We'll see how it goes. Koskinen, look, I think I got to state this: since late January, this is probably Miko Koskinen's best stretch as an Edmonton Oiler. 
Now, having said that, I think he's still probably his who he is is he's a pretty good backup in the NHL. Is he going to play all the time? Well, we got uh, next week. It ramps. This is kind of a slow stretch here for the Oilers. This is the second of two days off in a row. They play the Lightning tomorrow, then they don't play Sunday and Monday. Then it's five games in eight days, and then still every second day until the end of the month and for most of April. So, how much are you going to lean on Koskinen? How well is Smith going to be able to play? We know that he has struggled at times. And then defensively, even if they get Barry back in, still relying on a couple of young defensemen back there. But I think up front, especially if if they can get Nugent Hopkins and Pulley every back and everybody else is relatively healthy, I think that's, those are four lines that are pretty solid and could put some pressure on teams. I think what they have to commit to is what they did for most of the game against Washington and play in straight lines. It's the old cliche that's been around in hockey ever since it was invented whenever get the puck in chase it down keep it simple don't turn it over at the offensive blue line and you'll be okay and I think for me quite frankly to the Oilers that even applies to the big guys who should and have earned the right to get a little more leeway in terms of how they attack but I think sometimes even for them simplifying and just getting the puck down low and starting a cycle is going to help Hyman and Dreisaitl together. Looks like they're going to be that way again tomorrow. Rob and I talked a lot about that on Wednesday night. Love seeing those two guys together. Uh, we, we talk a lot about pairs in the NHL. Of course, you have lines, but there, you know, is there a pair? We like this guy with this guy. We like this guy with this guy. Maybe the other winger is going to cycle through. I like the idea of having Dreisaitl and Hyman together, and I thought they were very dangerous against the Capitals. Hyman had many scoring opportunities, especially in the first period. Dreisaitl was Dreisaitl in the game, even though he was held off the score sheet. But to me, that Dreisaitl and Hyman, that is a heavy down-low pair with still good hands that can finish plays. Now, was McLeod with them? I mean, I think you could put almost anybody up there. I mean, Hyman can play the other side. You could throw Yamo there. You could put Fogel there on the left side. Pugliarvi could come up and go there if Hyman moves over. But I'd like to see that pair stay together. Quite frankly, dry settle and Hyman. So anyway, a little bit how it shakes down there. As, as again, we expect we I expect Archibald to play tomorrow. Jay Woodcroft was asked flat out, "Is Archibald going to play?" Well, he had a good practice today. I think he's working himself into the conversation of being an option. Uh, we'll see how he responds after a good practice uh, today. But he's he's put in some good work here over the last uh, last week or so. I think he would help a penalty kill for sure. That's part of his uh, mo is uh, is to make sure that um, he can. He can be a dynamite penalty killer. He's a really good four-checker. He plays with a little bit of an edge. Uh, anytime you can add a player of his caliber to the lineup, I think it makes makes you a stronger team. Well, about 10 months since Josh Archibald played a game. Not confirmed, but I expect him to play tomorrow. How effective can he be after that layoff? You heard him talk last weekend. He says he's fine. He's been cleared. He feels healthy. He's ready to go, and if he's at full capacity, he can help the team. And the one thing that peaked my ears up there with Jay Woodcroft helping the penalty kill, the Oilers' penalty kill is below 70% since the start of December. That's obviously awful. 
And that's another thing that could derail them. And to me, that factors right back into goal prevention. Uh, goal prevention. So hopefully Archibald will be able to come back and help a little bit there. Okay, some news and notes there from the Oilers. We got more discussion about the team coming up. Craig McTavish is going to check in between 6.30 and 7. Of course, I'm happy if you like to check in as well. 780-496-0063 is the Certainty Hotline. Back in a couple of minutes for more Inside Sports. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. It is a tie now. Vegas has tied it up against the Pittsburgh Penguins 2-2 with eight minutes left in the second period. Very, very key game for the Edmonton Oilers as we monitor the playoff chase. So, of course, we will keep you updated on that one. Craig McTavish is going to check in between 6.30 and 7. Always fun to have Craig on the show. He joins us every two weeks here on Inside Sports. Okay. So uh, I gave you the notes there. Sevier and Skinner go to Bakersfield. It is uh, Cassian speaking about his injury. It was not a broken jaw. It was a uh, cheekbone orbital issue. Going to wear the bubble here for a little while, a little while longer. And uh, Josh Archibald, I expect, will play tomorrow, given how they lined up at practice today and that Sevier has been sent down. So just some things to uh, consider there. Also, uh, the Edmonton Oil Kings already up one nothing in swift current. And that is how far into the game are they? About seven and a half minutes. Uh, one nothing for the Oil Kings in swift current. They're going to play at swift again tomorrow. So uh, talking about how the week here has gone for the Edmonton Oilers and uh, the power play looked very, very good. Very, very good against the Washington Capitals. They, they went one for four. Numerous other opportunities. Probably could have scored... Well, not probably. They they would have scored at least one more, if not for some incredible saves by Ilya Samsonov of the Washington Capitals. The goal was scored by Kyler Yamamoto, who camped out in front of the net, got his stick and his leg anchored in a strong position. McDavid fed it to him, and he tapped it in. And I thought Yamamoto made a lot of good plays on the power play, working down around the net. And I asked Jay Woodcroft about that today. I thought he was very good on our power play. He retrieves pucks, keeps a lot of plays alive, and I uh, found a way to to finish that that really nice pass from Connor there. Okay, so and we were discussing that earlier in the week about the Oilers' power play. Now, specifically Monday, it looked really bad against Calgary. They didn't have Barry and they didn't have Bouchard. They had Bouchard back on Wednesday. That helped against the Capitals. He's got a big shot from the point. He can get it off quickly. He usually gets it through. McDavid and Dreisaitl, they can do their thing on, on either flank, dangerous in a lot of ways. Yes, Calgary limited them. Calgary has an excellent PK. Uh, but to me, the, the puck in that game and other games in which the power play hasn't been overly effective, it, started, it has started either with a lack of a point shot or and or, I guess I'll say, that they don't get the puck down low to somebody. And they have players who... Can, can be effective down around the net. If, if Hyman's down there, when Pugliarvi's healthy and he's down there, uh, you know, if, if Kane isn't always in that position, but he can kind of occupy that space of the ice. And even Yamamoto, who's a smaller guy, was effective in that role, as, as, uh, as Jay said, puck retrieval. And I thought Yamamoto did a good job battling for pucks and, and making quick passes when he got the puck down low. So I know we talk a lot about the big three when Nugent Hopkins is healthy, uh, is healthy and we have you know, a couple guys who can shoot the puck from the line, whether it's Bouchard or Barry. But what about making plays down low? Personally, I, I think the Oilers could use that a little more. I know people have called into this show. They've called into Rob and I after games. The Oilers' power play is predictable. To some extent, I agree. Having said that, if when you got a guy with a, a one-timer like Dreisaitl, you're going to try and get the puck over there. 
but you can't force it. So it's not always to me about just going back to the point. It's about getting the puck down low and making the defenders shift that way. And I asked Woodcroft about using that lower area of the ice. Anytime every player on the ice is a threat, it gives the penalty kill something to think about. And um, using the entire square footage of the zone to spread kills out and, and make them move so they're not just in the same um, position all the time. Uh, I think that anytime you can do that, that bodes well for your power play. And, um, you know, we scored on that one that you're referencing with Yamo there, but I thought every power play looked dangerous. Both units looked dangerous. Uh, it was a good sign. All right, so we'll see if they can keep that going tomorrow night against the Tampa Bay Lightning, who are coming off that loss last night against the Calgary Flames. They fell 4-1. Dave Randorf, formerly of uh, Hockey Night in Canada, now the play-by-place for the Lightning. He's going to check in to tell us about their journey this season a little bit later on. But first, Craig McTavish when we get back to Inside Sports. 6.30 Chad, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. 